Hello, my friends, and welcome back once again to another exciting edition of Fandom Talk. We are so incredibly excited to have you all with us today. Um, for those of you who do not know, my name is Jacob Vance Hardesty. I'm the editor-in-chief here with the Fandom Correspondents. Um, do different podcasts, YouTube videos, and uh, articles as well. And uh, today we have a two very special guests with us. Um, we have Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad with us today. Um, they are the current writers of Wonder Woman, and they are also uh, about to start a new series called Batgirls, which um, is very, very exciting. Um, Becky, Michael, how are you guys doing today? We're doing pretty good. We're both pretty tired. We're both tired. <laughs> tired? Both I guess. Yeah. Good, but tired. We, um, yesterday was Batman Day, and it was also cheeseburger day uh, oh <laughs> cheeseburger batman day so we got in touch with some friends who were vaccinated and uh keeping it safe and they came over and we made cheeseburgers and uh one of them brought over like a, a vr system like oculus rift and it was our first time ever experiencing that but it wasn't uh, going into virtual reality. No that one made us put tired. their foot through the TV, you know. Yeah, it wasn't. That's good. It wasn't physical. It's just um, we're so used to being alone that having like other energies in the house, we're it, it takes a toll. Mm -hmm. And us afraid of uh, going back out into the world and resocializing. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> resocializing. <laughs> I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely understand that. Um, I, I, we were, most of us were kind of that way uh, last year after quarantine, going back to work. Most of us worked in like uh, retail and service industry and everything. So going back to it, no, I definitely understand. You kind of have to rewire yourself almost a little bit to see other people and everything. So no, I, de I definitely understand that. Um, so guys, you, um, Batgirls was just announced and, um, we, I know it's going to be starring uh, Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane. Uh, Cassandra Kane, literally one of my favorite DC characters out there. Cannot wait to see what you guys do with her. Um, but I have uh, recently been told it is apparently an all ages book. Um, so I am kind of, I'm kind of curious, how is it going to fit into kind of the other world with, I mean, of course, Falling Fear State, uh, Joker War. I mean, some pretty kind of heavy stuff. How, how is, how is Batgirl's going to kind of, fit in that while still being an all ages book that's kind of like a funny rumor that seems to be going around i don't know if it's because of uh some of the tonality that we're trying to hit with some of the variant covers mm -hmm. but it's it's a it's a 13 plus book okay we, we yes. wanted something that young people can access you know we aren't going to be gross about it um but also like no this is a pretty adult book man there's some like weird like, I, I, I can't give away any of the story moments, but sure. it's, there's some pretty grim stuff going on. There. I think you can be, um, you can have dark subjects, you can touch on adult subjects and more mature topics in a way that is still like accessible to younger people um, in, in a way that you're not like dumbing it down or like, you know, it's in the same way that Batman the Animated Series touched on some very heavy topics, mm. you know. And, and it was a serious cartoon, but, like, I grew up on it. You know, there's certain things that you can, like, do. It doesn't mean that it's a children's book or that it's for kids. It's something that everyone could enjoy that if you have, like, someone in your life who's younger who's looking for a book, this is a good one to, like, introduce them to, like, the Batman world. And sure. hook them in and get them young. You know? 
<laughs> it does have the same rating as like Wonder Woman or Action Comics or any other book on the stand. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny that I, I've seen that. I've seen people saying like, oh, this is an all ages book. And I think, like I say, I think that's a reaction. I think if when people look at the solicits, they'll see, oh, it's the same rating as every other book. Yeah. every other like four quadrant book that's out there i think people are thinking about like why does damian wayne get to be like super edgy and yeah and uh dark and why do the girls get to play video games well because they're more well adjusted yeah okay, ah, that's okay. you know that's that's fair that that, that is definitely fair yeah <laughs> i think they'll also discover that this cast is gonna be just as violent as you would hope that she would be, you know, she's a little, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. She's a little <laughs> assassin that, that is not going away. Um, it's a huge, we, we know we've got a huge responsibility with these characters. People have a lot of different opinions about the way that Babs should behave or Cass or, or Steph. Um, and we can't please everybody. Um, but we are counting on making a book that is, even if it's not exactly what you're hoping for, that it's undeniably good and that you're like, okay, like even though this isn't exactly the thing that, that used to work for me, maybe this will become the thing that works for you moving forward. And if not, um, we promise we aren't going to go into the DC archives and destroy the stuff that people liked before. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still going to be there. <laughs> It'll still be there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm... Uh... I, I, I kind of figured that I was just kind of just kind of making sure. Um, so can you give us a little bit of a tease kind of first arc? I know, I know you can't give away too. You don't want to give away too much, but it's a little bit for, for people who haven't yet heard about, about the book kind of what's, what's kind of like the opening, like what's, what's kind of going on with Cass and, and uh, Steph at the beginnings of this. It's kind of a cold opening that will be a little bit shocking perhaps. Um, but Something terrible happens during Fear State. Um, And the first arc is kind of... The ramifications. The ramifications and how these three young women kind of respond to this really catastrophic Gotham-changing circumstance that is specifically traumatic and horrible for them. Um, Okay. And it forces these three people who each have been have worn the Batgirl mantle to come together as a unified force, the Batgirls, and away we go. And it's uh it's in Gotham, so you know, it's a tough neighborhood, all this stuff. So, so a lot of it's gonna be about um you know, the way that different people behave in a neighborhood. Uh, mm-hmm. Becky and I both have lived in a variety of different communities and so we're kind of able to draw from people that we've known in life and kind of populate this neighborhood with like all kinds of good and bad and, and all in between type of people. So that's what we hope to do is like, everyone always says like, Oh, we want to make Gotham a character too. No, we were like, we do, we we're going to say that too, but we really need <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> that works. Yeah. That's one of the that's... best things about like working on a bad book is that you get to play around in Gotham, which is such sure. a great, City. there's so much character and like charisma that this city in particular has so that's been a lot of fun to like hang out in gotham again so is is barbara suiting up or is this going to be more like an oracle kind of role with her kind of leading steph and Cass, or is that something we can't really divulge just yet well it is batgirls and she is a batgirl and i think 
I mean, it's, she's definitely, you know, as the oldest one in the group, I don't want to say like, I mean, maybe mentor is like a good thing, but she's still, you know, she's a bad girl too. Sure. So they're all kind of figuring this out together. And um, Babs, for me, Oracle and Batgirl, I mean, they're different in my head, but at the same time, it's the same person. Sure. So she is definitely going to have a bit of both. You know, we're going to see her, you know, being, uh, using her Oracle abilities, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, she's also a Batgirl. So who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so can... One 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 last question about Batgirls. I, I am kind of curious. Any certain rogues that we can expect to see, or we kind of kind of waiting a little bit on that one too. We were kind of so we came in with a with a pretty big idea uh, right out of the gates, and the big idea didn't involve directly any of the existing members of Batman's Rogues Gallery. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like. Oh, here's an opportunity to really focus on these girls as the central characters. So maybe let's not distract by being like, and then in comes Clayface do, doing his, because then it becomes like a lot about Clayface and maybe not as much about like this group dynamic. Uh, that said, um, we're planting the seed throughout the first arc that will, that will definitely pay off with a significant member of the rogues gallery causing some real problems for the girls. Um, but in the first arc, I think we've created some really interesting, compelling um, problems for these girls, problems that aren't just going to go away and be resolved. So who knows? We we might right, right out the gates be adding to the rogues gallery. We'll see. There, is a, there is a rogue that we use who's yeah. not super well-known, I guess. I don't want to say, I don't want to give them like a D list or F list of <laughs> rogue, but there are, there are characters, oh, yeah. too, you know? Now, now that you mention it, I, for a second, we're doing something so different that I almost forgot. Uh, yeah, there's like a, definitely like a D list <laughs> villain. I'm, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> but it's, I like the characters that, uh, that don't, that aren't super well defined. And it's a good one to start on because then you get a chance to put these, you know, these characters in a situation um, and redefine them in a, in a way that they haven't been before and give sure. them ties to the, the characters in a way that, like, you know, they a, a more well-established villain might not have these ties. I, so. make, I make no apologies for the fact that I'm a huge Grant Morrison fan and the way that Grant Morrison handles these lesser-known characters, takes them, shines them up, presents them in a way where it's like, oh, I never thought of Batmite that way, or I never thought of, like, X character this way. Um, I just always loved that about how Grant approaches storytelling. So, yeah, there's a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited now. I, I've totally <laughs> forgot that, like, a huge part of our story. I, it, it We've done so much work with that character that at this point... Um, it feels like something that we made up from whole cloth, <laughs> but damn it, people are going to know who it is, <laughs> and some people are going to be like, oh my, yeah, I think some people are going to be really blown away to see uh, the depths we were willing to plumb for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, you know, I mean, I think the, the, the last time I was genuinely surprised by a, 
a, a villain showing up that I had either a not thought about in years or had to do a lot of like back research on it was during Scott Snyder's zero year with, is it, is it Lord Deathman? I think it's his name. <laughs> I had no idea who that was. So, cause I was like, Oh, this is a Riddler story. And then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere. So that was, so yeah. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see a new take on a new take on an older character or, or someone very random. And I'm perfectly fine with that. You'll um, be pleased. Um, looking look, looking back though, you you mentioned Grant Morrison. Um, kind of going back to kind of your all start. The the next question I just had was what what comics really made you all fall in love with the medium? Like as as you growing up. I mean, of course, both both of you are great writers. Both of you are very good artists as well. You know what what were your main inspirations when you were kind of growing up and really kind of made you fall in love with this and make it a passion? Um, well, let's see. I think one of my favorites, the one that like, you know, of course, when I was growing up, I was reading like X-Men and like Rambo and Half and stuff like that, which are like the cornerstone, like the foundations of the books that I grew up reading that got me into comics. Um, one of them, when I started taking comics like more seriously, uh, I was reading Lady the Immortal uh, by Hiroki Samura. Um, okay. It was just coming out. So this is how old it is. It was coming out in issues from Viz when Viz was still publishing comics and uh, manga in single issues. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I remember just going to the store every week and and or every month and buying it. And it was like that was when I started looking at it, being like, okay, this is like some crazy storytelling here, like visual storytelling. Um, yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's the one. That's a really cool one. Thank you. That's a good choice. Um, <clears throat> like every comic reader who doesn't have access, I, I grew up, you know, I'm 42 years old now. I've been reading comics basically as long as I've known how to read. And it was kind of catch as catch can. I, I, my family didn't have a ton of money. We didn't have a comic shop uh, within range that I could get to. And furthermore, if it was there, I would just be that kid who would go in and like read them and put them back on the like I wouldn't have money to buy them. Sure, no, I got. But you. every now and then, we'd uh, be at a flea market or something, and somebody would be selling selling a big stack of comics for like a buck. And my parents would get that for me. So oftentimes it was just, what was somebody else's kid's collection like that ended up at the flea market? Mm -hmm. And I luckily. There were some people in my area who had kids who had maybe gone off to college, left behind their comics, but the kids had pretty good taste. So I would get, <laughs> you know, some like Teen Titans from like when they were at the height of their powers or mm -hmm. uh, some Punisher stuff. For, like specifically, I was so lucky to get like a Punisher Warzone, I think, with drawn by Jim Lee. And I love oh, yeah. that Jim Lee drew the Punisher. Was so mind-blowing to me and it was maybe my first exposure to Jim Lee so I years later um, I really kept up with Jim Lee's work because like it I mean it's Jim Lee you know but the first comics that made me feel like oh I really want to I want to contribute I want to be like part of this field I want to do this thing um Undeniably, uh, 
stuff like Arkham Asylum and Doom Patrol and Animal Man, like all those early Vertigo, Grant Morrison things really showed me like, oh, you can be a, a real weirdo uh, in this <laughs> field and it, and it might even benefit you to be weird. <laughs> so I really like, I got hyped on that. And from there, you just keep getting weirder and weirder. You know, you start reading stuff by like strange publishers or things that had no publisher. And it's just somebody with a Xerox machine that start, you see the door start to open up and you realize Oh, I don't have to wait for somebody to give me permission. I can just start making these things. I can just, yep. you know, and and it it's not as if it loses value. It almost gains value. It's like, oh, no one, no one's given me permission, so I can do whatever I want. And um, Becky and I both, uh, to this day, we continue to make zines and self-publish and do whatever we want to do. You know, if some if this person says no, if we even bother asking, then you just at home make make a comment. I'm doing my next zine in two weeks. Look at her. <laughs> so there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny you mentioned that because you were really kind of the first person that made me think about that, Michael. Because your pinned tweet on Twitter, I I know I'm paraphrasing it, but it's something to the effect of. Next week, I have a Marvel book coming out, and this week, I literally just left Home De or Office Depot, yeah. and I'm putting comics later together. I had never thought of it from that aspect of you know just making it happen, like, like you said. Um, instead of having to wait for a publisher or someone like that, it just – I mean, and, and anyone who is listening, if you are a writer or an artist, just start doing it, guys. Like, it's, it is a possibility, you know? Um I, th I think that's, um, you know, at the at the end of my days, <laughs> which hopefully I've got plenty more days and plenty <laughs> more comics to make. But at the end of my days, I would like, uh, if if there's like something that I can give beyond um, cool stories and and stuff like that, I would like to give that sense of self belief that I desperately needed. I I wasn't always hit the ground running and go DIY. I, I have dark nights of the soul where it's like, man, I've been making comics and no one reads them. I bought a, <laughs> bought a booth at a con and people wouldn't even talk to it. They would walk right by. I know how dark it is, but I also know how awesome it was and has been to just make things and to like get with my friends and be like, we're going to make a weird comic about a clown or we're going to make a weird comic, you know? And, and just for us to kind of celebrate ourselves in that moment. Um, so, yeah, when I wrote that tweet, I was literally like walking home from having Xerox things, knowing full and well, like, oh, my my Marvel debut is happening right now. Mm -hmm. and, and I just spent 60 bucks to make a zine and that no one that I will never see that 60 bucks again, but I'll have a zine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, go and do it it's impossible and it's terrible and it hurts the whole time. But when you're, when you're done with it, maybe you'll feel good. Oh, it feels so good to make a thing. I had a good moment just the other night. I was having a zoom conversation with another, uh, another comics writer and we were getting into the drinks a little bit and just kind of pulling out <laughs> like, old, yeah, pulling out old zines that we made. And, I, and 
I loved making a 24-hour comic. It is a thing that some people do each year. Mm. You make 24 pages in 24 hours. It's a big challenge. It's very hard to do. I've done it two, two or times. three years in a row, two years in a row. Mm. And I, Catch me never doing it again. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very challenging. But I felt like such a kinship with this, with this writer friend of mine because he had done the same. And it made me be like, oh, yeah, I got to do that again this year. That's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't will that upon anyone. Give yourself all the time you need to make the thing. But if you want a challenge, I think it's in early October. It's 24-hour comic day. You can go online, look up some of the rules, uh, follow them to whatever degree you want. But if you do it, if you manage to do it, then... In, uh, in the space of 24 hours, you've created a full comic book. Like, bang. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> pretty good. So, <laughs> and you've got all the excuses you need for why it's not very good. Yeah, like, exactly. I made it in 24 hours, man. It's just 24 hours, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, on, on that note, you know, of talking about your different, writing, your different writings and creator-owned versus licensed... Um, I was kind of curious, is there a different approach to writing your creator-owned works as opposed to writing creator-owned your, your your licensed characters? So basically, like, working on Double Walker versus working on, you know, or by chance of Prov or Providence versus working on Wonder Woman or Batgirls. Is, is there kind of a different approach for you all? Yeah, oh, totally. Yes, because if I'm doing, like, a mini-comic or, like, a working on something for myself I don't give myself the same rules as working on like a um what's the word the monthly book like the mainstream uh, serial yeah serialized book yeah. that's the word um sorry I'm having a, a, a mind meltdown um and you know when you're working on a book you know, like Wonder Woman or something, or anything for, for Marvel or for DC or whatever, there's always going to be, like, beats, story beats you have to hit, you know, especially superhero stuff where it's, like, you need to have a fight every issue or there's got to be, like, action. And then the ending, the note that I always get is, like, punch up the ending. So now I'm always, like, punching up the ending in my head before I even <laughs> hand the script in. I'll look at the script and be, like, what are the notes that I think I, I will get? Because I've gotten the same notes so many times because... I think I just have like habitually I have story like a way that I write stories so I can like you know precognitate what um what notes I'm gonna get so and, mm. and as you know when you're working for yourself you don't have to do that you just do what feels right and what comes naturally even if you think okay well maybe this isn't like how like a, a traditional story might be told but it's how I'm gonna tell this one because it feels good to me mm. you know you have more room to decompress you know, in monthly comics, you're constantly, like, trying to squeeze one more page out. Like, how can we fit just a little bit more in there? Everything's crammed. Everything's so dense. Mm -hmm. If you get a little bit of time to, like, open up the storytelling a little bit, it feels amazing. But there's not always that time, you know. So many times you have, like, six panel pages and seven panel pages. and I don't know. Yeah, it's just a lot less stressful for me to, to write something on my own. And I don't write full scripts for myself, so... Okay. Yeah. No, I got. You. I, I I did kind of notice. Um, 
and, and I've really kind of noticed this. I've, I've been trying to read more creator-owned works. Um, not just not not nothing against Marvel or DC. Obviously, I grew up on them. I love them and everything. But wanting to see from a creator's perspective and from that aspect, like you just said, of what someone can do when they have really kind of no one, no one telling them no, basically. Um, and one thing that that I definitely noticed in a lot of different people's works, because you mentioned that, is that a lot of your artists and a lot of the writers really take their time with their stories. So like it's, whereas a Marvel and DC book, kind of a lot like you said, it's very dense. Like every every page has so much different stuff on it. Nothing wrong with that, you know. It, it grabs people. It's and there's obviously, it's definitely a a cre- creative process, obviously, and it's in its own right. But there is something interesting, and like you said, the the pacing is almost entirely different, um, you know. And I, I I do I do have more to talk about that here in, here in just a second. But uh, Michael, I, I was kind of curious. Uh, what what about for you? Yeah. Um, I think Becky hit a lot of the things that are kind of great for me when I'm working on stuff that is creator-owned. And there's a lot of great things about it. There's a reason why a lot of people will, you know, kind of retire from, like Scott Snyder, kind of moving away from doing DC stuff and focusing on his own work. Part of that's money. Like, let's just be real. Like, if you're Scott Snyder and you're selling a lot of books you may as well like be the one making the money off of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Owning that property. And if it gets adapted, like it being you who is compensated and celebrated and owning your stuff, there's nothing wrong or grimy about that. People maybe don't want to talk about it because it, that seems like a poor motivating factor. Uh, But I'll never shame somebody who's like, Hey man, I gotta like eat. Scott's got kids. Like, yeah. And up a future for your kids. For me, that's not the huge thing because I'm just going to be poor for for however long, you know, <laughs> until I read a court of owls or something. Uh, um, for me, it's about, uh, as you and Becky have, have highlighted, it's giving myself permission to do the things that I, that I would like to see done in comics. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's the kind of thing that... Um, that it just wouldn't work in the format of a mainstream character. It wouldn't work in the format of somebody who there is no threat of them dying. There is no threat of sig- such significant sweeping change that and comics will say it on like, like things will never be the same for Batman after this. <laughs> well, they, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, things are for Batman. You know? <laughs> I man recover from a broken back pretty good. Yeah, I saw Superman, <laughs> Superman come back from the dead. Uh, so to be able to tell a story and have no one be able to tell you, oh, this character would never do that, or oh, you can't kill that character, or, or whatever, it's so liberating to say I own this thing. It came out of my head in in the head of you know. In the case of Double Walker, it's with artist Noah Bailey. We share the ownership over these things. Every choice that we do in there is the right choice because it's the choice that we made. And there's yeah. n- we had no editorial oversight. We weren't getting notes from Comixology Originals. If I had sent that to any other publisher, chances are, even in its completed form, where you can see, like, oh, this is a pretty good story, I guarantee every publisher would be like, it just moves too slow, man. It's too slow of a burn. 
but but we did it and it's worked so whatever y'all <laughs> you know? and that's the great thing about um working without that kind of oversight and working on creator owned stuff especially when it's self-published yeah there yeah. is i think there is room in um like monthly comics and superhero books and stuff like with licensed work to be creative and to like think outside the box um there's that new so that a new nightwing book that's coming up that's like the entire thing is a, a connected yeah yeah and i'm like that's I love when stuff like that happens because it's people really like breaking boundaries. And that's something that you would see in a creator owned book because not many publishers will take a chance on something like that. Mm. And I think, you know, this is a team who has proved themselves time and again to be excellent storytellers. Powerful team. Jessica Chen, who's our editor on Batgirls, is one of the finest editors in the game. She works on that book as well. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and Tom King has, like, done so much. Or not Tom King. Tom, Tom Taylor. Taylor has done. She just said that on Twitter. Yep. We just did the joke. They're both. <laughs> I get them confused because they're both Toms and they're both really good. So in my head, yeah, know that I knew which one I was talking about, but I said mm-hmm. the wrong one. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think it's like, yes, there's exceptional books from the mainstream publishers and we hope to contribute to, to that yeah. and to make things that are lasting and and powerful and change the character forever but but let's be real the creators don't decide what changes the character forever the readers do when the readers yeah. are like oh my goodness dark knight returns is so great uh that we're just gonna kind of make it canon mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like things become canon even if it's from some other like weird edge of the universe it becomes canon because it's so undeniably good that people just come to be like, listen, in the future, Batman's going to be like big and, and, and weird and run around with Carrie Kelly and it's going to be sick. And that just becomes the truth. That's just the truth. Yeah. That's, that's so, yeah, you can make big changes for these mainstream publishers, but it's, you know, you got to turn on the fans. You got to make people show mm-hmm. up and, and demand it to be true. So yeah. we'll see if we can do it. We've been working. Yeah. Um, Becky, I am, I, like I said, I, w- I was reading, I'm trying to read more creator-owned stuff. And so I was looking through Comixology and I had seen that you had done these three stories that I really wanted to read. And then sure enough, I went to my library the next day and by chance of providence was there. And I was like, well, the library. Bl- bl- <laughs> yes, yes. If you were in Davis County, go to the library. They're amazing. <laughs> so, uh Yes, no, I, uh, I I read it and I, I fell in love with it. By the way, it's fantastic. If you if anyone listening to this gets a chance, whether you find them on Comicsology, um, it's uh, Wolves, The Meyer, and Demeter, right? Are the three? Yes, and or if you want to get by Cancer Providence, I think it's from Image, I believe is what it was. Yeah, yeah, was together. Um, fantastic work. Um, Becky wrote and drew it uh, with colors by Lee Lofty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was curious, um, were they stories that you had wanted to tell for a while? Because they all felt very different, but you can't separate the fact that they are very clearly, at least from, from me reading them, all three are very clearly in the same world within like the same, I I, I would call it like a, like a, a, a 
a Becky verse, I guess, <laughs> like a fantasy world that, that, that was yours. Basically, all three of them felt very, very similar in that style where all three of them could very clearly happen at the same time, basically. I think that's um, I think they're connected more by aesthetic than by the worlds. Um I mean, they probably do happen in the same world, but I don't have like a multiverse kind of thing in my head. <laughs> um, they're just uh, three stories and they're connected. I was, I did one a year for three years. Um, and a lot of it was because I was trying to write more and no publisher wanted me to write. So, and I had drawn, I've been drawing comics for so long and I was doing monthly books and I got so burnt out on drawing monthly books that I was like, well, I think I'm, I'm going to switch. I'm going to try to write more. And like nobody wanted a story for me. <laughs> so that was kind of like, I'm like, I'm just gonna prove that I can write and I'm gonna write these little stories. So I did. And then, but I only had time like for a few, like they took me about three months each to do, um, just because it was like in between other work. So I would sure. draw one and then it'd take like a few, like write it, draw it, and then letter it and put it together, print it and stuff like that. So it's about like a three month process for me. So every year I did one. And um, after that, that's when I started getting people being like, okay, well, maybe we'll, you can write. <laughs> maybe we'll let you write a thing. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. And um, now it's like, I can dip back into that world when I want. So I've got A King Story is another mini comic in the same, that's a follow-up to Wolves. So it's okay. like, I kind of continued the stories in there. I'm working on like another longer one, but that's going to take a while. Yeah, I don't know. Just. I'd like to have more time to be able to do more stuff like that. That's like definitely one of my goals is to be able to work on my own stuff more, but it just takes a lot of, there's like a, lot, a lot of energy and like, it takes a lot of focus and it's not super easy to do when you're working on other stuff. Sure. Of course. So it just takes a long time for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think, um, <clears throat> the Meyer was probably the one that got me the most. I will, I will readily admit that, uh, Re reading through that yeah yeah exactly yeah uh and mainly because I, I i will admit it took me a second to realize what was happening and i don't want to spoil it for anybody um and then when i when i did i was like oh that's okay this is heartbreaking but that is also incredible um that that book these and these are like ways that you can experiment and like be a little self-indulgent with storytelling um especially when you're doing like a short comic in my mind it was like how do i make someone read this again after they've already read it once to make mm. you feel like you're getting more out of it than you actually are. It's a trick. I tricked mm -hmm. you basically <laughs> to read the comic twice, <laughs> but it's the idea that like, Oh, this is a one story when you read it the first time. And then when you find out what happens at the end, you can go back and reread it a second time yeah. with that in your mind. And it changes the way that you see it when you read it. So that was, and it, it was a, a little weird when I thought of it. And then it just, it, it just took a while to figure out, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving parts, but, I like doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, of course, anyone who is following you on Twitter or Instagram during Sword Timber, oh, which yes. has been incredible. Of course, they can see kind of the similar, if the, the similar art styles and everything. I think I'd even asked at one point, I think, um, during the one that Instagram did not want you to post, excuse me, I said, is this the hunter? Because it looks like him. So I was curious. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I just, I draw. So those are my characters and I, I still have another story that I want to do with them, so I draw them sometimes. Um, Sword Timber has been a lot of fun. It's like a, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you can check out the hashtag, and there's so much incredible art. Uh, Faith Shaper Faith Shaper started it, who's, I think she does um, environment designs for Disney, 
she's an oh, illustrator nice. so she started it as like a thing and she did it last year and she did like she drew like a hundred swords for charity or something like that she was oh, like drawing yeah. swords and selling them and, um <laughs> gave, donated all the money and it was like super inspiring then to see so last year i was like i'm gonna do sword tumbler next year just as like a thing and then it rolled around and i was like here we go and she has like super cool props and like it's just it's very inspiring to see it's like uh community building kind of art uh experiment art, art activity that everyone can kind of do together but yeah the sword's kind of taken a back seat in some of the illustrations it's just like oh there happens to be a sword here <laughs> but it's it's all good it works you, you said faith schaefer is that her name yeah yeah, yeah. okay schaefer. okay I'll, I'll, i think I'll... She, she'd be like one of the first people to pop up when if you do a search for sword timber Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'll be I'll be taking her out here in just a little bit, actually. Um, Michael, I was I was really curious because Double Walker has segments that read almost like it was made for comics, like made for digital media. Um, without giving too much away, I don't want to spoil it for anybody because if you have Comicsology Unlimited, you have to read this book. Um, there is a page where each panel cuts back between the couple holding each other and a dead body. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was, and the way that it is done, like I, when you guys read this book, I'm telling you, turn off show page on enter. Just let Michael and Noah just keep surprising you every panel. That is the best way to read this book. Um, did you have the platform in mind when you were writing it or had you already started working on it before um, before they had, or they had approached you or you approached them about publishing it. Yeah. Um, so Nolan, this is the second book that Noah and I have done. Uh, mm -hmm. we did a book for comiXology originals before called tremor dose, which, <clears throat> um, when we started working on tremor dose, we didn't know where it was going to end up. It was one of those things. Noah was a friend of mine. We're going to do this thing and we're, we'll print it ourselves if we have to. Not even if we have to, we were just like, we'll print it ourselves. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. oh. <laughs> um, and it just so happened that around that time, uh, from doing conventions and such, I got to know uh, Chip, Mo Chip Mosier, who's like kind of like the main dog over there. He's like okay. the guy that you would pitch to or whatever. I just got to know him through like Becky and through mutual friends. And I was like, oh, I've got, you know, 40 pages done of this thing that's going to be like, you know, 100 pages, 125 pages. Um, and he said, why don't you pitch it to me? And I instantly broke out in a cold sweat and was like, <laughs> I don't know if I want it. Like, I don't know how to explain this story because Tremor Dose is definitely one of those things when we talk about being self-indulgent. Tremor Dose is a, is a book that's about dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I've had people say, I, I don't know what the heck's going on in there. Or, uh, yeah, that's, you me. know, <laughs> <clears throat> and that's kind of like, that's me just loving being surreal and, and mm -hmm. experimenting with the form. Um, so we, we didn't really know exactly what, what was needed to be able to be at Comixology. They ended up liking what they saw, said, yeah, let's, let's do it. Here's your contract. And here's like what things, here's what we want you to do. And there wasn't much that we had to change in order to make it fit the platform. They didn't want like a double page spread because a double page spread doesn't look good on like a little device. 
it yeah. actually like defeats the purpose of doing a spread because mm -hmm. it takes a big thing and makes it small rather than being like oh you know a, a panel will we'll get that job done <clears throat> so we like did some stuff like that thankfully tremor dose is coming out through dark horse in november in the in like a print form and we we're able to kind of go back and be like oh yeah we have that double page spread that we can we can do now <clears throat> um, we knew that we were going to do another book with them uh, and having seen how Tremordose played on the platform with like doing the panel by panel reading and stuff like that yeah we definitely had that in mind when we were thinking of how is this best going to use the the you know the main form of delivery like mm -hmm. we wanted it to be impactful and like you said going through and doing it like panel by panel oh yeah we we were trying to create almost like a cinematic effect with like an oscillating shot or something coming out that like oh here's a quiet tender moment and then something really terrible yeah <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we were definitely trying to and i think that that's um a good idea for anybody whether you're printing something or whether you're working with digital media <clears throat> to really think about how how to best use the thing you know mm -hmm. if you're printing an oversized uh like i don't like an absolute edition of something use that space like dominate it like do do big wild things if you're doing a little tiny zine uh experiment with like what you can do with that kind of format and then of course digitally shoot sky's the limit uh becky turned me on to is it Emily Carroll? Yeah, I was actually just thinking of her. Emily Carroll is a, she's been been making, you know, web comics for a minute. And man, she like uses it. Yeah, there's yeah. A, a comic she did called His Face All Red. And His it's a okay. terrifying comic. It starts out and it's not, it's a little scary. You go, <laughs> you, you know, from the jump, you're like, this is spooky. And then as you read it, she really does the thing where it's like, you have to, as you follow over, she's using like the infinite canvas of the internet to really okay. show her story. And it's like, as you scroll over to like read the comic left to right, and then there's parts where it's like, oh, you go down into a pit and you've got to scroll down with the character. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> and if you can't find it online, um, she did like a printed collection of them. It's, it's called, called Through, Through the, the Woods. Woods. Yeah. yeah. We, we're both huge fans of her. <laughs> She's like one of my favorite comic artists, cartoonists. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely like paid attention when I was looking at the way that she uses like, okay, her presentation allows you to like click and drag. We don't have that moment. What we've got is these like really vivid snapshots that we can mm -hmm. offer. And depending on if we're creating something that makes you pace like where you're like hitting next panel, next panel, next panel, we're trying to keep that in mind. And if we're trying to slow you down, try and give you a reason to like linger on something, keeping in mind, oh, the next panel isn't going to jump right out because there's a lot of text right here. We're going to be on this panel for a minute and trying to trying to plan it and play with it in that way. <clears throat> but yeah, I think it works pretty, pretty damn well on Comixology. If you've got Prime, uh, you can read it for free. Okay, uh, I didn't know it was free for Prime. Users. You can you can like rent it on on Prime for free if you okay. got Comixology or Kindle Unlimited. Uh, read it for free uh, okay. if you want to pay for it. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna get money off of that. It's <laughs> ninety nine for like a hundred, hundred fifty pages or something. Pretty good mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. 
It's um, <clears throat> I just real quick before before we continue on, I following up on that um, because I'd I'd love to eventually talk to Noah as well about this, but I was curious how much because because like like we were discussing in the different panels, how much of that of the paneling like in the layouts were you versus him. Uh, or I mean, I know obviously you guys were working together, you know, co-creators and everything, but I was kind of curious where, because the, there was, there's another segment where she's walking, the the female main character is walking away from the male main character, and the way that the street lights work yeah. is that at one point he's in darkness, and then at one point she's in darkness, and it's just the, the way it's done, like you said, it's very cinematic, like you could... I would almost suggest putting the Twin Peaks like soundtrack on in the background, like as you're reading the book. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> <being serious>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of curious, wh- where did was that more so his kind of choice, or was that more so something that you kind of came up with on certain segments like that? <clears throat> I, I definitely write full scripts for Noah. Okay, um, but it's a different kind of full script than I write for anyone else. Uh, it's a lot more conversational. It, it'll be, you know, page one, panel one, you know, so, so-and-so is standing under a street light. Mm-hmm. Page two, panel, or page one, panel two, they've moved forward. Now this person is in the light. I don't know if that was necessarily the case with that moment, though, because <clears throat> Noah oftentimes just has, like, just a brilliant way of being able to read something that I wrote, which is just, we're moving through a scene. They're walking along under a street light. And he might have taken that opportunity to create some. I love that two panel sequence mm-hmm. so much as well. And I think it says a lot and shows a lot about her, her eyes. Story the, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't take credit for that. And I don't think Noah would take credit for it either. Uh, after a <laughs> while, it's just like our little hive mind is going. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so lucky to be able to work with somebody who uh, shares like such a, a visual language with me. We both love a lot of the same movies and uh, we've learned about new stuff from each other. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll say it's Noah. Yeah. I'll say it's Noah. Okay. And you would, would say that it's me. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. Cool yeah. The partnership. I have the same experience with Becky when there's like something cool that we've written together. Oftentimes we'll like not remember who, Oh, that's a funny line. Like good job with that. And Becky will be like, Oh, I think you wrote that one. And it's like, Oh, well, it's all like lost. No wonder why I liked it. (laughs) No, it's um, yeah. When you, when you work closely with somebody and, and you're trying to accomplish the same goal, if you're really, really doing it well, it's hard to remember who did who, who did does what cool thing. Yeah, sure. I that actually leads really well in, into my next question because I I I would be very remiss if we did not talk about Wonder Woman at all dur- throughout this. Um, of course, this year being her 80th anniversary, um, you guys just this past week uh, wrapped up the Afterworlds arc, um, which was fantastic, by the way. Um, how has it been kind of writing her together? Because I, is, is this your all's first time working together, like as writers together? Like I know obviously you did Midnighter and you did Immortal Wonder Woman, you know, but have you guys worked together with another co-writer before? Because for, for me, like when I started thinking about writing something with someone, 
I think it would be kind of difficult if I didn't have a good relationship with that person because, okay, who's doing plotting, who's doing scripting, or we're both doing both, you know, so on and so forth. So how has it kind of been the, this past, I mean, for us, it's been a year for you all. I'm sure it's been a little bit longer of working, of working with Diana and everything. It's, it's really good. And you're right. Um, there's like a benefit and, and uh, a hard quality of it being somebody that, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I don't know that I'd be able to co-write with somebody else. I really don't. Um, Becky's got experience it, working with other writers to, in a collaborative way. Mm. I don't know that I've I don't know that I play well like that. <laughs> I, I, I think that I would end up becoming upset and not advocating for myself out of being like kind to the other person. Mm-hmm. Like if they have a crummy idea and I try and fix it and they're like, no, now it's a crummy idea. Then I would probably just complain and quietly to Becky. Uh, <laughs> and just let it go. Um, but Becky is... Becky's a great partner for me uh, as a co-writer and she's been a great co-writer with other people too. Yeah. Yeah. I worked on um, Gotham Academy was my first time co-writing with someone. Mm -hmm. uh, And that was like two or three years of that book. And it was with um, Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw. Mm -hmm. And we were all living in Montreal at the same time. Carl and I shared a studio and our desks were like right next to each other. Um, and Brendan would come by all the time and like we'd go for lunch and when uh, Gotham Academy came up like when that became a thing that we pitched it was always with the idea that like I you know want a co-writer on it because I think it was just I don't know it just sounded like more fun like when we were Brendan and Carl had worked together a bunch like they had written stuff together Mm -hmm. they did like the Flash comic I think for um, Wednesday comics yes yeah yeah I believe so Um, and it and Carl, of course, you know, he was like the artist on the book, but he really he was the third writer because we would all go out and like sit down for lunch and like, you know, bat around ideas. It was so much fun to work on because if I was ever feeling defeated or like, I just don't know what to do at this point, that one of them would have the answer, you know. And then Brendan and I would, you know, we experimented a lot because he had never written a script, but like he had written with Carl, but he was always like writing the whole script. And the same thing with me, like I didn't know how to, so we would do things like, We'd plot the book together and then we'd like, I'm like, I'll take this scene, this scene, and this scene. And then we'd like put it together. And we did that for like three or four issues. And it was like, this isn't going to work. So then we started doing something where it's like, he'd write an issue and I'd go over it and like edit it. And then I'd write an issue. He'd go over it and edit it. So we were like, in the end, you get a script that is similar. And then, you know, you filter it all through Carl Kershaw's beautiful mind. Um, and out comes this book that was a super fun to write. It was you know, and the same thing working with Michael. It's like we, you know, keep each other, we'll go out and like take a walk and talk about the story and stuff. And then you come back and you're just like, now I'm just psyched. I'm like really excited to work on this thing. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a little bit of like, you do have to put your ego like on the back shelf and it can get difficult sometimes when it's like, well, I don't like this or like, we should do this instead. And there is that moment of like, how do you, you know, it's not, um, you know, you just have to be like, we both want the best for the book. Neither of us is trying to undermine the other person. We just, it's the vision for the book that is like the apex at, at the end of the day. This is the thing that matters. And you have to always keep that in mind. Um, 
But yeah, like working with Michael, Wonder Woman's been a lot of fun. We did the same thing where we, it took us like a couple issues, I think, for us to find the, the best way that we work together. Because mm. I think everything is different. I don't know how people who co-write do it like long distance. I think that's really difficult. With Carl and Brendan, it worked out well because we were all in the same place. And with Michael, you know, he's, we have our own writing areas, so we don't murder each other. Um, but it's I like, if I ever need anything, I can just like knock on the door really quietly and like open up. <laughs> Hope I'm not interrupting like a great paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in a kind of a bit different from the way that she was working on back rolls, we, we do everything together, whether it's plotting each scene, each issue. Uh, <clears throat> it's really highly integrated. It's not, um, we're going to parse it out and you write the beginning and I'll write the end and then we'll like weave it together and make sure that it's cohesive. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way. That was really hard. <clears throat> That's why we I just, yeah. we, I basically said, because Becky was like, listen, we can break this thing up. Like, this is a thing that we've done. If that's going to work easier for you. And I'm like, dear, my brain does not work that way. Yeah. Like, I got I to tiptoe between every raindrop on the way to, to the scene. So, <clears throat> yeah, we're, I'm, I'm very lucky um, to have a partner that's like, that understands, like, I got to be there for every moment of this thing. Otherwise, sure. I'll get lost. So. Yeah, it's nice to know that, like, if you ever get stuck, and especially with these, you know, longer arcs, like Wonder Woman Afterworlds was nine issues. And mm. then after that, we already knew, like, kind of going in what would what our next year is going to look like. Mm. And thinking that far in advance is, like, that's a lot of brain space, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things to think about. So I'm really lucky that, you know, if, if I'm ever in the weeds at some point, Michael's going to find his way through and, yeah, we, like, cut we, the path we... We we just hope that our deficits are not the same. You know, if I forget something or can't make something work, I count on Becky to be able to remember and to make it work um, and vice versa. Hopefully sometimes I do that. I think most of the times I cause problems, but that's right. that's I'm the, the problem process. solver. I'm the problem maker. You're the problem solver. I don't know about this, that. See, see how kind we are? There, there, there you go. Yeah, and, and it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was I, I it's interesting that we're here, that we are right right at the end of Afterworlds, because I, I distinctly remember uh coming home from work one night. My my, my brother and I, we we and, and my sister as well, we, we all share comics, you know. So we all we don't buy we don't typically buy multiples of this of the same comic unless we really like variants or something like that. Um we just we read and then we give to the other person that kind of thing. That's, um, that's great, awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it it works well. Uh, I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you say? <laughs> I'm jealous of that. Uh, you know, it. Um, my my sister prefers trades because she says uh, single issues are too short. So we we typically wait until the, a full trade is out for her and then we get her the trades. Um, but I remember coming home from work one night. And Josh, my brother, looks at me and he goes, this is really good. I have no idea what's going on with it, but this is really good. Wonder Woman's in Asgard now. It's all kinds of crazy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sweet. You know, that that works, you know. Um, because, of course, following Future State and, you know, everything Scott and Greg did with Death Metal, 
the biggest question is what's going on with Diana? Where where is she? What's going to happen? Even into Infinite Frontier Zero, uh, it's the same same question. And I I was curious. Did you all time it out to where you knew that next month? being her 80th anniversary and everything was going to be her kind of return to the forefront of everything. Cause of course she's on that justice league variant, you know, I, the, the last thing Ratatosk says and the last issue, not spoiling anything is, you know, the return of Diana and all that and everything. T- had you all kind of planned that out of in yeah. advance that you knew it was going to be this many issues before we had her big kind of return to the main continuity and everything. Yeah, how wild is that? Yeah, like, <laughs> how wild is it? Um, I have an evil plan, and we we executed the evil plan, and we yeah, it's, it's great. So there are people who you know, uh, by and large, people have loved Afterworlds, and it's you know, it's you know, hopefully, it's given people stuff to think about, and also stuff that was just like fun and wild. Um, but there's some people who are like, wow, what a what a long arc. Like well, it kind of had to be, you know. Yeah. Like we 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 could have done two little mini arcs, or we could have broken it up, or whatever. But we wanted it to feel like um, like the long journey home, and it's not like you want to fatigue readers. Like that's gross. Like I, I don't believe in like messing with readers in that kind of way, mm-hmm. but I do believe in if we could create this feeling of like whoo what a what a journey and then have it be like her 80th anniversary she's back where she belongs let's go like let's have it because then we can celebrate as readers for her anniversary along with her like kind of celebrating herself being like snap i did it and yeah to see like how the world at large might respond to um this incredible woman coming back like I, I can only imagine if that happened in the real world like it would be pretty pretty wild and we're gonna try and capture like some of that energy and some of um some of that excitement in in what we do going forward and for people who are like oh man afterworlds is too long this next arc that we're doing is going to be like four issues bingo bango if you want to pop in check it out sniff around see if it's you know, if it's your speed, it's very different. Yeah, where we're going with the with Diane moving forward is very different from Afterworlds. I think totally. I mean, because we are the same people, we're going to be writing, uh, you know, characterization and stuff like that in a similar way. But it's different themes, different ideas, like a different pace for this next arc. Um, just so you're not, you know, going to get the same the same thing from us every every time. But we have like a ton of Diana stories. But they just like keep coming. So. Hopefully we're on this book for a long time because we keep coming up with ideas and uh, and our editors always seem to really like them. So yeah. hopefully we stick around and yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine by me because I'm 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 telling you guys if you if you get a chance, you know, listeners, please go pick up some of Afterworlds. The future state stuff that they did was really good too. Um, I am curious, is next month, in your all's opinion, is it a pretty good jumping on point for people, for anyone who hasn't who hasn't really been able to follow? So, Because, uh, of course, that's always a big thing with licensed comic, with, you know, the big two is, okay, how many of the of the 80 years of, co- of comics do I have to read to be mm. caught up, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's a big thing for us is trying to make every new arc uh, jumping on point. So this okay. with seven eighty is going to be like a perfect spot. If you didn't read Afterworlds and you, you know, maybe want to wait for the trade on that, <laughs> and then get into this seven eighty is like a great um, a great welcome home kind of issue. Yeah, and uh, we don't dumb it down either. So. Sure. If, if in the course of that 80 years, like, oh, I, was, I really read this a lot when I was a kid back in 76 or whatever, uh, we want to give that reader something, too. And we don't necessarily need to explain that to everyone that's reading the book. Like, hey, this is a character from way back when who's showing up in the background of the scene. Um but that's like the we do want to honor that 80 years. That's mm-hmm. all that stuff is good and important, valuable stuff. And we're going to continue to pull from it. But also if you're just like, hey, I saw the movies and I and I liked that character or I caught her in a cartoon or something like that. Um, you, We want to make you welcome, too. You know, we want to we want to we want this character to thrive. And the way that something thrives is by not pandering to the same old heads who want the same thing that they've been or they want they just want a redo of Rucka's run or, or whatever sure uh, these things exist and we're going to hopefully give like a different a different take on the character but one that feels familiar and that feels like we, we're showing up as fans first and foremost and then um, everything that follows is based on that love and that passion for this character and how we think oh, we can evolve things a little bit and we can keep it feeling good and fresh for new readers. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I think my favorite, probably my favorite part of your all's writing, um, at least over, over this last year, is how you have balanced Diana very well into a complex character. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of writers where they make her just the, the super like destroyer kind of, kind of character where she's just like, she's just going to be a fighter and everything. And there's, there's a lot of good stories with that version of Diana. There's nothing wrong with that. But my favorite aspects of Diana are when, because she is a very, very important character to me and my family, our, our mother's favorite character, you know, and our mother is gone now. And so to read a Wonder Woman story where she shows just as much strength as she does love for everyone around her. That's important to me. And you guys have absolutely nailed that as, especially in, in this last run, because there's even in the way that you word certain things. So like, there's a moment where, uh, she, I, I don't want to say she screams at Ratatosk, but she likes, like, she like shushes him or something like that to that effect. And like, he kind of, he's kind of taken aback, you know? And, and I, and I was like, you know, I kind of like that you were able to toss in small little complexities about that with her character as well as continuing on to, you know, where she, she is headstrong. She's going, she's going to try to fix what is, what is going on. And I just, I I just, I love that. And once, once again, guys, I cannot suggest this run enough for you all. Um, You know, and, and as, as for it being too long or too short, I would have been fine if the entire issue of Batmite Returns or however you guys wanted to word (laughs) that small, those, those few pages, um, I would have been fine with that um, if you guys did an entire, an entire run like that, uh, (laughs) because I, I loved all the different, there, there's so many little inside jokes within, within, you know, the classical Dark Knight stuff, uh, like I love when she interrupts his, his speech on when he's standing <laughs> on the gargoyle. I think that's great. 
Um, I actually meant to tell that to my brother that because he he loves Batman. Batman's one of his favorite. Whenever he shows up, he's he just gets happy. And I forgot <laughs> to tell him that there's a point where he goes to that world, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I cannot wait to see to see what's next. Um, now, is there forget forgive me? I've forgotten the solicitations. Is there there's an 80th anniversary like a big comic as well as 780 next month, correct? Or is that there's the special? Right? There's a lot. I'm there's gonna, a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Um, because it's her 80th, there's there's 780, which is like kind of following the aftermath of After Worlds, and mm-hmm. like, hey, here's here's where she's coming from. There's an annual. The annual is not out until. Wait, is that next month? I don't know when that's out. And the annual <laughs> tells the story, uh, and then there's a special. I think the special is out next month, which is going to be great. Are, um, are, you, are you guys working? Did you guys work on all three of those, or yeah, um, with the annual, it's going to be a variety of people involved. Or is no, it the that's special? Just, that's, the special is the <laughs> special is a variety of people. The annual yeah. is just us. All of these things. <laughs> It's been a lot of Wonder Woman yeah. lately. So 780, <laughs> you you can pick up 780 and be good to go to, you know, you pick it up and hopefully you'll want to pick up 781. Yeah, the special with, is... With the annual or the special, um, they both feed into the greater storyline, um, but they also kind of will do their own thing and it'll be special and fun in its own way. And In a lot of ways, um, these things, like the intention of them are to give people who maybe aren't sure if they want to like invest in adding another comic to their pull list or whatever. So like, Hey, here's like a big, uh, big opportunity to take a look and see how she, how she acts in comics. And Becky's looked it up. The annual is out November 30th. So in the November. Great. I gotta look up the special. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I, th- I think you you really hit on something important, which is that Diana does have the capacity to be like a destroyer or to be super heartfelt. And it's part of that dualism that's so great about her. And I love that this was your mother's favorite character because there's something about uh, Diana that um, to me like shows like a very like, even though she she doesn't have kids, she they, she shows like a very like, matronly quality mm-hmm. and that like my mom was very sweet but also she was a destroyer and like, Absolutely, yeah. you know like okay <laughs> she she can be these things so to be able to write a character that um that determines her own moral compass uh like like we all do uh, is kind of a cool thing when's the 80th anniversary the special's event? october 5th the special and is that's 100 5th. pages and that has a bunch of different artists and writers in it and I think if you, this is a great one to pick up too, if you haven't been reading, but it's also a great one to pick up if you're a longtime fan. So there we go. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Here, yeah. Buy tons of Wonder Woman. A lot of people with Afterworlds, they were, um, with the introduction of Siggy, people were longtime Steve fans have been chomping at the bit. And it, Steve <laughs> fans might want to pick up this special. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Absolutely. Get interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I I, pers- I personally love Siggy, um, but but I, but I, I 
I have a love hate relationship with Steve Trevor, but but I but I also understand the love for Steve Trevor. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, so no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with Steve. You know. You know, honestly, going into Wonder Woman, I never got Steve Trevor. Like, I mean, I get him, but I never was like, I don't get what people get about him. You know what I mean? No. But after I, yeah. after writing more Wonder Woman for like the next coming arc and like plotting up stuff beyond that, now I'm like hardcore Steve Trevor fan. Like, okay. I, yeah. we've changed our minds. <laughs> We've changed my mind. I've always liked Steve Trevor. <laughs> I think Steve. it's so cool to be like, uh, Steve does the thing in Wonder Woman that like normally you see women do in stories where it's like, oh, and I'm and I'm the girlfriend, and and that's like so terrible. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick calls him like a lampshade. Like if yeah. a, if a female yeah. in your story can be played by a lampshade, you aren't writing females right. It was like, that's, like, that's fair. Yeah. And I feel like Steve, people have written Steve really well, but by and large, like my relationship with him is like he's a lampshade. Uh, mm. So we're showing up to do this, do the thing for him that normally you you need to do for like a, a, a female girlfriend character mm. in like a, in a boy book. Mm. Um, and I think we're going to succeed in it. And I think that the people that were so mad about uh, Siggy showing up and being just a hunk for days, I, I think they're going <laughs> to discover. I think about that. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to discover uh, now we've got a really, really interesting situation. Um, when Wonder Woman and Siggy met, um, Diana didn't like really remember who she was. Yeah. Furthermore, she was in the afterlife yeah you know, there it was like there's extenuating circumstances mm -hmm. but if you come back to life and it's taking you darn near darn near a year to do so the world kept moving without you dear yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes so maybe sometimes don't feel so bad about steve i think steve's maybe all right yeah steve's, steve's we'll good. see how steve's doing <laughs> so yeah steve, steve fans check it out it'll be fun have we have we seen the last of Siegfried and Ratatosk? Uh, um, I don't want to say. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, mean, right. I don't want to say. By saying that, we're saying no. You haven't seen the last. Yeah, that's one. true. We yeah. have. So, we, yeah, we created these characters in a, in a way where it's like when you you know you're playing in the sandbox. There's all these toys, and you bring your own, and then you leave them there for other people to play with. And mm -hmm. some of that, the fun part for us was like leaving stuff there that it's like we can always come back to that. Like we won't see the last of Ziggy. You know, these things that we've put down, hopefully, you know, any anything that you create for, you know, a, a licensed book, you hope someone else will pick up. Because that's the fun of it, you know, it's like looking back through the history, it's like, okay, digging around and be like, what kind of weird stuff can we pull out that's here? Mm. that like no one's touched in a while yeah 20 years from now somebody will be doing a, a podcast interview with aliens or something <laughs> and they'll be like oh i thought it was so funny that you brought back ratatosk and there <laughs> and there'll be an alien sitting there being like yeah mm -hmm. i liked grant morrison so it's super cool to take like a wacky character <laughs> and make them awesome <laughs> I'll be all old and like on a on a respirator, be like, "You wasn't whack." <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, no, I I I'm I'm ready to see more. That like I loved that entire supporting cast. It's great. Um, I I am I I do have just a few more questions. I know we're we're kind of running. I talk a lot. Um, 
<laughs> I, I I was kind of curious. This is kind of a fun one. Um, since both of you are artists and both of you are writers, um, either one way or another, what one character would you like to work on that you guys haven't yet? Uh, from the from the license standpoint, whether that's Marvel or DC, yeah. Or or it could be a t- it could be a team. I, I can name a I can name a gang of them. <laughs> I'm not going to name some uh, because like I may or may not be like actively pitching on some, and I don't want <laughs> someone who's like more more in the mix than me to get any like sick idea or what or what have you. Um, shoot, uh, I've always wanted to write Swamp Thing. Uh, I've okay. almost zero yeah. desire to do Swamp Thing right now because Rom V is just really doing such excellent things and Mike Perkins art is so perfect for that book um so I'm perfectly happy to take any swamp thing idea that I have and just tuck it away and Mm. and wait and not not even like wait until I see like the end and and coming I I want to wait wait for for some time for people to forget how great this run is Mm -hmm. and it'll probably continue to be um Similarly, like I'd love to, I'd love to write Animal Man. Uh, just always thought, what a cool character! I think there, yep. there's plenty of fruit left in that tree, and uh, it's, I'm, I'm coming along with my picker. Uh, over at Marvel, um, I think I'd like to write like Moon Knight. I think Moon Knight's a cool character. Would yep. be fun. Obviously, like an, an X Men. Thing. I already know which X Men it would X Man or or X Woman <laughs> X Person. I know which X Person I would focus on. And so, uh, who and is that? that? What's that? Who 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 would that be? My favorite X Person is Forget Me Not, who is who everyone has forgotten about. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Forget Me Not's power is just that is. Uh, the minute you aren't looking at this character, you forget about him. Um, so this character is arguably in every single X-Men story that ever happened, but no one can remember them. No one can remember this character except for maybe like Professor X can kind of remember. Mm-hmm. And maybe Psylocke or something can maybe like one of these high powered um, mentalists, maybe Jean Grey could. Um but yeah, I think that there's a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Multiple I mean, men would be cool too because I like doppelgangers. So. Yeah, you do a good sleepwalker. Sleepwalker would yeah. be cool. Sleepwalker in the quest for the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Silver Surfer. All right, that's my, I, that I was my. Here he's talking too much. That was mine. And it, it wouldn't be a Silver <laughs> Surfer book. It would be a Norin Rad Shalabal romance comic. That's what I want to do. Man, okay, okay. And so the server stuff would be like very in the. It would be there, but it would be like this nebulous, strange thing that's like kind of happening. But also, the mm-hmm. romance would be like in the world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so if that ever happens, you guys heard it here first. Just a heads up on that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Mine wouldn't be a romance. Mine would be Silver Surfer learns karate and starts fighting. Why? <laughs> Mine would be really that's dumb. That's the real question. What's that? You know? I said, why not both? I mean, okay, there you go. Karate chops, surfing, and love. You know, you could do, you could do <laughs> no. all of them. No, no, no. okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wants to go hard romance. Hard romance. And I want a John Wick on a on a cosmic surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> 
and thus we've seen how Wonder Woman was written together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Becky, uh, any other characters besides Silver Surfer? I'm sure that there are. I can't think of any right now, but it would be, yeah, it would. It wouldn't be Silver Surfer. It would be Norm Red. Just no, to put my glasses and be actually. Aren't they one well, the actually, same? yes, but Norm Red would be like pre-Surfer stuff. Oh, and it would be a tragedy. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, so, yeah, okay. That's. Yeah, it would just crap. be like a deep dive. I, I want to read this. <laughs> that relationship. And then, of course, like space politics. Um, yeah, so that's the thing that I would do. I'm sure that there's others. Uh, you know, maybe Batman. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to see I, I'd love to see any of the things that you got you guys just talked about that would that would be awesome um so as the as a basically similar question only what is one creator that you guys have not worked with that you would like to since, since you know you guys are artists and writers as well you know you could do either or so I'm kind of curious is there anyone that's out there that you because see for me the the first really like the second comic that I started really kind of working on, I had my artist's work in mind. Like I went and talked to him and I was like, look, I love your Instagram page. We we were already close friends, but I was like, due to what you have done with your art, I have a story to work with you on. So, so I, so I was curious, is there anyone that you guys have not worked with that you would like to one day? It would be Tim Sale, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd love to work with him either on like, I mean, right a book for him or do something where it's like more collaborative with like art but like mm. i'm a huge fan of his art just mm. everything he's done is like you know every book he's done is like a masterpiece so of mm. course yeah uh, you, on my bucket list to work with do you have a favorite tim uh, do yeah. you have a favorite tim sale book hmm? do you have a favorite book of tim sales like um, any one you like more than others well i think long halloween is like for sure, up there as sure. one of them. He did like the Daredevil um, Yellow, mm-hmm. it was just incredible. Um, his art book is like something that I'll, I'll always actually. I don't think I have. I think I lost it in a, in the that was in the box that got lost in the mail. My so I'm gonna have to buy the Tim Sale art book again. Mm-hmm. Look at it again. Um, Tim's also one of those people who's like um, him and Jeff Loeb did such incredible work together. Mm. You know, it's like you find these artists and writer teams that just like shine on their own. But then when they work together, it's like they're creating something that's magic. And I think every book that they did together was like something that is worth picking up. You know, it's like Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley, you know, like another team that's just like unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, you, you hit the nail on the head there because like Superman for all seasons, Superman's my favorite hero. So Superman for all seasons and all-star Superman are my two my two go. If someone asks me why do I love Superman, those are typically my two go tos. Is pick one of those and get back to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are bangers. Yeah, you know, that's so good. Like, top shelf. Like, <laughs> you, we we shouldn't be that lucky to have such good comics in the world. That's true. The other, the other artist. Now I have people. That now I have answers for you. Um, Guy Davis would be one, and Who? he hasn't drawn a comic. Guy Davis. He hasn't drawn a comic okay. in a while. Um, he did BPRD for years, uh, which was mm-hmm. one of my favorite books when it was coming out. And a lot of it was just due to his art, um, just being incredible. But before that, he did um, The Marquee, which I don't think, I think it was like a one book. I don't know if he had planned to like do it more of that, but if he ever did, I would be so there for it. Um, he did that book, Baker Street, Honor Among Punks, which was like an oldie. Was like, I think he 
he worked on some Grendel stuff back in the day, which was like first time I saw his art. But he's another artist that like, God, he if he ever comes back to comics and wants to work on something, like I'm here to to collaborate with him. <laughs> Such artful picks! Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I think I would go with. I always try and get Sam Keith on everything that I do. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't know his email. Uh, don't know his <laughs> phone number. I also don't know if he would like me as a person. Uh, I feel like he's like, he's one of those creators who has developed in such a way that it's, um, it's almost like you got to know him and have a relationship with him or something in order to get him to show up. Uh, or it's just him like doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I loved growing up. The Max was huge for me. Loved it. Uh, loved his work on Sandman. Loved his like Arkham stuff that he's done. Uh, loved his stuff that he did for Marvel, even like before all like doing like weird Hulk issues and stuff. Yeah, I just think um, he's got a he's got a style that is it's at once like kind of dumb, but it's super intelligent and and just functioning on a way high level artistically. Like, it, he's like Dave McKeon, if Dave McKeon would draw, like, muscle boys sometimes. Um, mm. Sam, Sam Keith's big for me. Um, I want to give one more because Becky had such a cool list. I love Farrell Dalrymple's art. I'd love to work with Farrell on something. Farrell did, um, he, he does these incredible books. Um over at image and hasn't done a ton of work on like on mainstream properties and that's what i would be like most interested in doing with him would be like let's go do like an x-men book or something Mm -hmm. because i just think it would be so bizarre and so surreal to see uh feral's work where he does a lot of like watercolors and stuff like that to see um see if we could get away with doing something like that I'd like to see you and Richard Case work together. I would love to work with Richard Case. Richard Case, the famed artist of uh, of so many issues of Doom Patrol with um, with uh, Graham Morrison. Mm-hmm. Richard and I have done like a little one page thing together. Uh, I like I was blessed enough to meet him in in North Carolina, and we did a thing for a fundraiser project. Um, but yeah, it would be really cool to. I would love to do like some Doom Patrol issues with Richard. Just really blow people up away. Be like, look, we got the got the guy who drew all those issues that you loved doing the ones that you like kinda like. You know, <laughs> <the Mortal Conrad. laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Hey, absolutely. No, I mean I'd I'd love to see I'd love to see you guys with any of those creators. Uh man, of course that's kind of, you know. Doing that with Richard Case, you know, for Doom Patrol. I mean, uh, Becky, your Punisher was with uh, Steve Dillon, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of, kind of a similar thing there, you know. It's someone you think of when you think of that character, you know. So yeah, that'd when, be awesome. When he said that they got him to do um, sign on the book, I was like, "You're you're pulling my leg." I <laughs> and then people were like, "Oh, your your Punisher was my favorite next to Garth Ennis's," and I was like, "That's just because Steve Dillon's drawing it. Like, it. you know, it doesn't have to do with me. I'm I'm just here for the ride now." <laughs> well, it's uh, 
I mean, per- personally, I loved your Punisher, so you know, I, I I think I think it's right there with it, you know, and and for you, you know, but um, you know, the the kind of the last thing I did want to talk about um, here at the fan correspondence, our our motto is fandom is for everyone. That is that is our go to. Um, we care about representation. We care about focusing on characters and creators that have not always been in the spotlight and deserve to be in the spotlight. Um, and we're also attempting to be a positive force in the world of comics and fandom in general. Um, so I, I am kind of curious, what, what are you, what certain comics would you guys suggest that have highlighted people who have not always been highlighted? Um, whether, whether it's in minorities, gender identities, sexual orientations, anything such as that, um, really just good positive books. What, what, what have you guys kind of been reading here recently? Oh, I can I can name a couple. Um, I'm actually looking at them <laughs> right over there. Uh, <laughs> anything by Nate Powell. Nate okay. Powell is someone that Becky uh, has known for quite a few years, and strangely enough, I've known him too. Like Becky and I grew up together, but once like we got out of high school, lives took us in very different directions. Uh, sure. Becky went to school over here. I went over there. And it was only through like this weird circuitous route that we ended up together and like having this long history, but also these lives spent doing kind of other things. Nate Powell is somebody who walked between both of our worlds and we never knew it. Nate was a musician and he was also a cartoonist. So I knew him from music because I played music for a lot of years. You played and you played shows with his band. Played shows with his band. And Becky, meanwhile, was like making mini comics with Nate. <laughs> so it was like, wow, we like Nate's like this connective tissue. And Nate did um he's everything that he does has such a deep and meaningful message behind it. Nate and I both worked in the in the mental health field for a lot of years. Okay. Uh, working with people with a variety of diagnosis. And some of Nate's work will be about that. Will be about people that he served uh, who are, you know, neuro neurodivergent and how how much he learned from being around different types of people. He also did that really important book with John Lewis March, uh, which is something it's like a book that um, if it's not on school high school reading lists, it should be. Yeah. Um, and I think it will. I think it's like right up there with like Art Spiegelman's Mouse in terms of like, oh, here's what a comic book can do in terms of educating people and making people um, be able to understand elements of history in a way that is fun, uh, even when the subject matter is certainly not fun at all. Mm-hmm. Part of part of what will encourage and and develop growth in reading uh, is is going to be making it fun to engage with. That's why we all loved you know Mister Rogers and, and mm-hmm. Sesame Street and stuff because it it tricked us into learning and very much so for like a for an older set of eyes. The work that Nate Powell does is certainly that something that grabs you commands your attention and you walk away a better person you walk away a little bit less able to be ignorant (laughs) and yeah and from from that lack of ability to hide under the veil of ignorance uh, that's when you develop good things like compassion understanding growth 
a desire for greater representation for marginalized people of every stripe. So, yeah, go. Everyone should just go buy everything Nate Powell does. <laughs> support him. <laughs> Great dude, and has one of the most um, important feeds on the internet too on his social media. Yeah, he's, <clears throat> he's worth following too. It'll always keep you like kind of informed about certain political things and give you give you reference uh, to why he's having these kind of feelings really great guy yeah and i i would uh recommend a book called uh the prince and the dressmaker by jen wang and that's her second book um it's an all ages book um i think you know you could get it for yourself and enjoy it like i enjoy it as an adult just as much Mm -hmm. as like i think a kid would enjoy it but it's so full of joy it's very much like in a fairy tale kind of setting. Like it almost has like a Ghibli feel to it. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and it's about this young dressmaker who ends up working for uh, a prince and their escapades that they get into, but it's so heartfelt and it's so much about like identity and gender and like how you like think about yourself and how, how um, important it is for people around you like to um, be accepting of that and empathy. You know, there's just, it's, so such a heartfelt book but it's also like just you know on top of that there's so many important things that you can take away from that you'll you'll read it and you'll just feel like you know i'm, I'm better for reading that and absolutely that's, yeah that's uh, an excellent excellent book if you haven't read it like definitely do yourself a favor and it's a short it's a quick read it's thick it's like a um maybe like 200 pages or something and it's full color it's gorgeous okay. Um, she has a very like animated kind of style, uh, and I've known Jen for years and years. Uh, just a great person, great artist. Nice. Okay, that's uh, I I will admit that's one I hadn't heard of. I, I'd heard of I have Mars. Mars is fantastic. I hadn't heard you said once once again Prince and the dressmaker. The dressmaker. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So right. it's like you. Uh, it'll just melt your heart. <laughs> it's okay. so good. Even thinking about it makes me want to go and reread it because it's just that like you know your heart will grow three sizes. There you go. Absolutely. Um, you you had mentioned. I mean, of course, you once you said it, it, it was Ghibli style. Like that. That's what I was like. Okay, yeah. Because I mean, any anything they do, anything yeah. that studio has done ever, just if everyone needs to go watch all of yeah. those movies, you know, it has yeah. those like it tugs at your heartstrings. It makes you feel like joy and sadness and like hope and you know just compassion all wrapped up in one and after you read after you read this book it's the same feeling that you get after you finish like a ghibli film that like oh it's just a nice a good sigh you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that sounds great um well guys that that about does it for me um i just want to say thank you all so very much once again for being on the show uh definitely check out all the wonder woman stuff coming out next month um, also go check out Batgirl starting in December as an ongoing, you said, and then the backups start in Batman 15. I think we had this, you yeah, had said Batman 115 in October, you can get your first taste of it. And then 116 and 117, we'll have the backups in those as well. Yeah. It's a three, three backups. And then those backups roll right into the first issue. But you're, you're if, not going to need, if you miss the backups. the backups, then, uh, then you show up for issue one, we'll catch you up. But yeah. I mean, it's it's a Batman comic. Do you I really yeah. get to twist your arm to? to <laughs> I think you. I think many people that read comics are going to pick it up anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, those are like the James Tinian's like last three. 
Yeah, yeah, so everyone should be reading those. Uh, mm. See him do his little victory lap. <laughs> his little victory lap. <laughs> 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 little... Batman. Yeah, doing a little thing on Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. So weird to be like, <clears throat> Dad, I'm gonna have a story in Batman. <laughs> what a bizarre world am I living in? Where, yeah, it's it's really uh, it's sick. Like if you can uh, if you can write bad girls, you totally should. That's so much fun. <laughs> go get you, go get you on some bad girls. Let us finish up first. Check in with us uh, when we've run out of ideas. <clears throat> but yeah, Batman one fifteen. Uh, that'll be your first opportunity to check it out, and yeah, it'll be fun. Be cool. Yeah. Can't can't wait for it. Well, once again, thank you guys so much. Uh, and as we always say, fandom is for everyone. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you all next time.